welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show to get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. It's almost play-in time. Maybe you're listening to this right before play-in time. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, tell us what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night with the Blazers and the Lakers, the first of many matchups this past week with serious playoff implications. Do you remember just a few weeks ago on this very show where we discussed the Blazers? Would Stott stick around? Would CJ be traded? It was looking bleak. Well, things have changed. In their last 15 games, the Trailblazers have the best net rating in the league including the number one offense in the league. They beat the Lakers last Friday night, now have the inside track to at least the sixth seed. On Saturday night, it was another incredible performance for Steph Curry. 49 points in 29 minutes in a win against the Thunder, which included 11 three-pointers. Now, did all of this happen against an awful Thunder team? Yes. But did it also (laughs) happen against Lugans Dort? Also yes. Sure. On Sunday night. The Lakers were in desperate need of a win. Coming off that loss to Portland on Friday night, LeBron was still out. Questions about whether Anthony Davis was fully healthy. Were the Lakers in trouble? Well, questions were answered because on Sunday night, Andrew, the Lakers beat one of the league's best teams, the Phoenix Suns, 123-110, including a 42-point performance from Anthony Davis. On Monday night, Russell Westbrook broke Oscar Robertson's career record for triple-doubles after Russ recorded his 182nd triple-double in a game against the Hawks. And we were so close to a Russ game winner that really would have taken it to another level. We also learned on Monday that Jalen Brown had injured his wrist and would be out for the rest of the season, locking in Boston as the official winner of the Season from Hell Award. (laughs) On Tuesday night, Remember those Lakers basically needing to win out in order to have any chance of avoiding the play-in tournament? Well, on Tuesday night, they played in one of the best games of the season, an overtime 101-99 win against the New York Knicks. Yes, that's right. The score in an overtime game in 2021 was 101-99. to Just another awesome end-of-the-season game that felt like the playoffs. On Wednesday night... The Cleveland Cavaliers, a team missing two of their better players in Darius Garland and Larry Nance Jr., and more importantly, a team giving Anderson Varejao minutes in an NBA game in 2021. Hey, he was scoring. He was scoring. (laughs) Beat the Boston Celtics 102-94, another awful loss for the Celtics team. And kind of a wonderful surprise for fans of the Magic and the Thunder, the two teams who had previously been tied with the Cavs for 21 wins. And finally, on Thursday night, the Miami Heat. This week's Wheel of Phantom team, our Miami Heat, walloped the Philadelphia 76ers 106-94, capping off a 3-0 week for the Heat that now finds them in the fifth seed in the East, setting up a potential second-round matchup 
with the aforementioned Philadelphia 76ers. Andrew, this may have been my longest intro, but what am I supposed to do? We're getting great basketball every single <laughs> night. It's been tremendous. And if you don't like the playing tournament, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. This has been the best thing for the league. The it was, it was best thing. It was so hard to choose games. I mean, I didn't even mention last night's game between uh, the Blazers and the Suns. Or on Thursday night. It was a night. great game. It was Amazing a great game. game. Yeah, it so was very options. fun. Oh, uh, so my most interesting thing of the week, Alex, is Russell Westbrook. What a week for Russ. And I had to bring in our Russell Westbrook guy, Fred Katz, to discuss it. My most interesting thing of the week in the NBA is Russell Westbrook. Not only did he beat the triple-double record this week, he also passed Larry Bird on the all-time scoring list, which I have Fred Katz with me. Fred, is that 35th on the, on the list? 35th. Okay. 35th. It sounds way more impressive just to say he's past Larry Bird than it does. <laughs> no to, question. To say. Russell Westbrook is now 35th isn't even a reason to come. <laughs> right. I know. But the Larry Bird thing is cool. Uh, I've got Fred Katz with me because he's the Russell Westbrook guy here at The Athletic. You've covered him in two different cities. Uh, what's it been like to cover Russ this season? It's been kind of weird because Russ is normally such an overwhelming personality and with the way that the media setup is this year, there's just very little, there are very few ways in which any single person can overwhelm anyone with personality right. because everything is over Zoom. Yep. We're not in the locker room. We're not on the court. You know, it's just, it's a totally different situation than when I'm normally just around the team and talking to players and talking to guys all the time. So it's, it's been weird. It's it's been different, and he's had such a weird season too. With everybody thinking like he's old and he's done at the beginning, and now it's like, you know, a national emergency if he doesn't get a triple double. Right. Uh, so you wrote a piece on the Athletic that was released on Thursday. Uh, it's called Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's seek and destroy mentality fuels his competitiveness and tenacity. It's so good. It's such a fun story. If you have, really, if you're an NBA fan, you should read it. But especially if you're a Russell Westbrook fan, it, there's some anecdotes in there that I promise you've never heard before. And it it just kind of paints more of a picture of Russ than maybe anything else I've read. Give me some, give me a one little nugget from it, Fred, that you thought was just, that blew your mind whenever you, whenever you heard the story. Yeah. So it's, it's really just about, it's an overarching story about his kind of, for lack of a better word, maniacal competitiveness. Yeah. I mean, he's just the most competitive guy in the room, no matter where you go. And I wanted to compile as many stories about that just kind of make you say, holy crap at his competitiveness. And, uh, my, my personal favorite was, was one about Snapple for personal reasons. But, <laughs> but I will say, I, I do think, I do think the best stories, the most intense stories that kind of tell his, his, uh, you know, his, 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 I guess, fierceness are the, the injury stuff that I have at the top. I list a number yeah. of the times that he was just severely injured and insisted on playing and, and insisted is probably a verb that's underselling it. Right. I mean, and Billy Donovan told me one story. I spoke for a, a number of people for this story, but Billy Donovan told me one story where, Westbrook had hurt his knee. It was Dwight Howard who came down on his knee the night before in Charlotte. And the next morning he called up 
Billy uh, and he and he said there was no shoot around because it was the second night of a back to back. And he said, I'm going to try to go through warm ups tonight and I'm going to see how I feel. And Billy said, OK. And I know Billy was thinking at that moment, like, man, normally if Russell's in a normal amount of pain, he's going to proceed proceed as if he's in no pain at all. So the fact that he's admitting to pain right now means he must be in extraordinary pain. <laughs> and and so all of a sudden, you know, now it's pregame and, and he he's in the locker room and next to the locker room is a training room. And, and he hears a commotion as he described it from the training room. And he goes in and Westbrook is throwing a roll of tape against the wall. And he's yelling at the trainers because the trainers had told him, you can't go through warmups tonight. You're out. And Russell's yelling, you said I could go and warm up. I'm just going to go and warm up. I'm just going to go and warm up. And Billy tries to calm him down, says, take the day. It's a back-to-back. Like, don't worry about it. This is during his MVP season, too. So he's, you know, obviously on a roll at this point. Yeah. Russell says, I'm going to go warm up. He, he persists his way to going on the court to warm up. As he's coming off the court, he looks at Billy. He says, I'm playing. And then he drops 49 points that night. So <laughs> that... The guy, the guy's ridiculous. Um, I loved that one, uh, but there are definitely some ones that are funnier than that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some, you say some great- save them and go go read yeah. the story. The story is is so good. It will you you will be amazed at his competitiveness. But then there are just some moments that you will laugh. It's just so so good. Uh, yeah, you look at Russ's career, and the amount of games played is just crazy especially with how hard he plays. I mean, a lot of people kind of compare his recklessness at the rim to like a Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade missed a ton of time throughout his career. And and obviously, that story indicates that Russ could have missed a lot of time throughout his career uh, if not for his just drive to play. Yeah, no question. I mean, look, these are just the injuries I found out about Right. I'm sure. You think, you think Russ you know, wants you to find them, out about all of them? Like, there's no way. Exactly. Some of them also, like, you know, I'm sure the Thunder and the Rockets and the Wizards don't know about all of them. You sure. know? Sure. It's, it's, it's like I said before. It's if he's in a normal amount of pain. And when I say normal amount of pain, I mean the average amount of pain that a player has when they go to the training staff or the doctor or whatever. And they're like, I'm in pain. Can you check this? Bradley Beal similar, by the way. If he's, if he's in that amount of pain, he doesn't tell people. He just mm-hmm. continues to work like a madman. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure there are, I'm certain there are an incredible amount of aches and pains and flat out injuries that I'm aware of. And I'm sure there are a bunch of aches and pains that the teams he played for never found out about, never will find out about. Uh, and, and that's kind of why when he mentioned earlier this year, kind of offhand to the media that he was dealing with a quad injury and we didn't know the severity of it at the time, I was like, oh, he, cause I know what he's like at this point. I was like, oh, he must mm-hmm. be, he's, he's obviously way more injured than he's letting on because he would never say anything if he were just kind of dealing with some cramps or something like that. There's something going on and, and we find out later it's a, it's a torn, you just flat out torn quad. He said. Uh, that he's just playing NBA games through. So the guy, the guy never wants to sit out. He wants to play through everything. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think that mentality to me, and maybe it's just because I'm so close to the subject because I covered him in Oklahoma City and covered him in Washington. Like to me, that mentality, that approach, that passion, that will be his legacy to me. Not the triple doubles, but but that. And I think there are a lot of people who know him who who agree with what I just said. 
Man, and that paired with the triple-double numbers and everything that he's done with scoring and assists, I mean, it's it's been a ridiculous career. The legend of Russ continues. Fred, thanks so much for joining the show and for giving us all this knowledge on Russell Westbrook. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that was awesome, Andrew. Now, for my most interesting thing of the week... I want to go back to that playing tournament because as I referenced in the intro, one of the biggest stories in the league is the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been this weird mix of emotions that has been playing out. LeBron calling out the league for the playing tournament's existence. Lakers fans realizing that missing the playoffs is now theoretically possible. Suns and Jazz fans realizing that their magical seasons may result in a first round matchup with the defending champs and the rest of us just sitting back and enjoying the drama. Now, as I mentioned, one of the bigger storylines within this storyline is the idea that the Lakers may be the most dangerous 7th or 8th seed in recent memory, if that's how this plays out. And while I completely agree with that assessment, I think it's time to expand that to also include the Golden State Warriors, who may also be one of the most dangerous 7th or 8th seeds we've ever seen. Now, this realization came to me during a week in which we saw the Warriors beat both the Jazz and the Suns, one of which they would meet in the first round, if they get out of that playing tournament. As they were getting those impressive wins, Mike Prada noted in a tweet that the Warriors are plus 9.3 points per 100 possessions when Steph is on the court without James Wiseman. Plus 9.3. That's very good, Andrew. Now, Samus Fendiari followed up on this tweet by making the point that this stat is less about Wiseman, more about the Warriors finally being forced to lean in one direction in what has often felt like a rudderless season. And as a result, this team finally makes sense. And as the Warriors have started to make sense, everything has fallen into place. Would you believe that in the last month, April 14th to May 14th, the Golden State Warriors are number one in the league in net rating, (laughs) plus 8.8. That includes wins over... It's crazy. Hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I was shocked when I learned that. They've had wins over Denver, Philly, Utah, Phoenix. They are now 36-26 and 26 with Steph, a 58% winning percentage that would put them right around where Portland and Dallas are this season. So as everyone worries about which team will have to face the Lakers, you know, should the team that avoids the Lakers really feel all that good about their situation? Are we <laughs> underrating how dangerous this Warriors team is? Well, first, I want to point everyone to an article by friend of the show, Ethan Strauss, who wrote a great article this week exploring this idea, making the case that the Warriors are more dangerous than we might think for a variety of reasons. But Andrew, I was interested in something else about this story. Best net rating in the final month of the season. That's a pretty impressive stat. But does it matter, Andrew? Does (laughs) being the best team in the final month of the season predict how a team will do in the playoffs? So to answer this, I conducted a highly scientific experiment. I went back through the last 20 seasons of NBA basketball, found the team that had the best net rating in the final month of the regular season, and then wrote down how they did in the playoffs in an attempt to predict how dangerous this Warriors team really is. Now, I did not include last season due to all the bubble weirdness. So this is 2000 through 2019. And what I found, Andrew, will shock you. (laughs) And I'll reveal those results right after this. Okay, so there's no ad read. I just wanted to build some suspense, Andrew, before I give you these (laughs) results. I've I've, I've got to know. All right, first, first I just want to mention, you know, there's 20 teams here. There were some really memorable teams in this group. 
that had the best net rating in the final month of the regular season. I'll be mentioning mm-hmm. a couple later, but I just wanted to shout out a few to give you an idea of the type of teams we're talking about. 2016 Thunder. Ah, oh, remember that team. 2012 oh, yeah. Spurs. The beautiful game Spurs. 2011 Bulls. That's the Eastern Conference final run with Rose. 2010 Suns, the last Suns team to make the playoffs. 2002 Kings. Remember that Ooh, team. And the 2001 yes, Bucks, who lost to Iverson in the Eastern Conference Finals. So many fun teams. Okay, so here are the results. First thing I found was that none of the teams who had the best net rating in the final month of the season missed the playoffs. Now, that may seem obvious, but I thought, oh, maybe there's a team like last year's Suns team that had this amazing run at the end of the season, just missed out on the playoffs. Not the case. All these teams made the playoffs. Second, of the 20 teams... 30% lost in the first round. Now, one of the highlights there was the post-championship Spurs in 2015 who lost to Chris Paul and the Clippers in seven games, that awesome first-round series. But if 30% lost in the first round, Andrew, that means that 70% of those teams made it beyond the first round. Now, 15% lost in the second round, 30% made it to the conference finals and lost. A full quarter of the teams, 25%, made it to and won the NBA championship including the 2017 Warriors, 2014 Spurs, 2013 Heat, 2007 Spurs, and the 2004 Pistons. Hmm. So what does all this mean? Honestly, probably nothing. Unless you're a Warriors <laughs> fan or a Warriors better looking for any additional reason to believe in this Warriors team and their ability to pull the first round upset. I do think, though, that if the Lakers and Warriors end up 7-8, it will be the strongest pair of 7-8 seeds we've ever had, which I think significantly increases the chances of seeing a first-round upset. And that, in and of itself, is super interesting to me. Yeah, I I don't disagree. And and Steph Curry's going to play more in the playoffs, right? Exactly. That, and that's one of the points that Ethan brought up in his article, is he's going to get probably around six more minutes per game. And we know that those Steph minutes are almost you know more valuable than the majority of players in the league. And so to get six more of those minutes, whether it's in the play-in or eventually in the playoffs, that's huge for that team. Yeah, for he and Draymond, that's a big deal. Andrew Wiggins has been good lately. I don't know. I don't know how to measure that. Right? Like he, he's played well. Can he play well in the playoffs? Like how many opportunities in the playoffs has Andrew Wiggins had? Has he even played in the playoffs once? One season, right? Like it would have one, been yeah, the the Tibbs year. So I'm that like that's a that's a big wild card. Uh, Kevon Looney's been good for them, and like, what's their eight-man rotation? Is Michael Mulder playing in the playoffs? Well, I, I mean, arguably I the, the the two biggest X factors are Juan Toscano Anderson, who just yeah. got a guaranteed deal. Really awesome moment of him talking to his mom. Yep. Go see, go watch that. And then Jordan Poole, who's been awesome mm-hmm. as well over this recent stretch. He's good. Uh, he is legit good, and that's and that's one of the things is. These teams are really tested, and I feel like like Kent Bazemore will be fine, and he's been he's been really solid for them too. But like Wiggins and Jordan Poole, to me, like those are the two guys. Like, what do you get from them? Can you get a Jordan Poole game in the playoffs? Can you get an Andrew Wiggins game in the playoffs? Because if you can, then if you're the Jazz or if you're the Suns, whoever that team is, if if they get there, right? I mean, it's still right. a, a big if. Yeah, shout they out still to have Memphis. To win. Memphis could still make it easily. They ha- still have to win at least one game, probably two games. And anything can happen in, a, in one game. 
in the NBA. Anything can happen. That's why this. That's why the plane is going to be so fun. Uh, but ideally, you get the Lakers and Warriors in there, and then in a seven-game series, I think you're going to get big-time Steph, big-time Draymond, and then it's shrug, right? I don't know. Like, what else are you going to get? Yeah, well, going back to, to Jordan Poole, there was a stat last night on, on the House of Strauss podcast. In Steph and Jordan Poole lineups, it's 204 minutes so far this season, plus 16.6 net rating. Yeah. And unlike that's, James that's Wiseman, impressive. who didn't, you know, we'll see what happens with him going forward, but it was tough to fit him into this Warrior system. Jordan Poole is someone who definitely fits into this Warrior system, and we've seen that over this recent stretch. Yeah, no doubt. And then you have to look at the slew of injuries that they've had, uh, including Kelly Oubre, who was on May 6th. They said that he'd be out at least a week with a fractured left wrist. And so is he able to come back? Because he would be uh, that would be a big deal for them to get another big wing that can defend and then maybe don't have to play Michael Mulder. Right. In the playoffs, you can play Kelly Oubre, which is also another wild card, like another guy <laughs> to, to throw in there that, what does he do in the playoffs? Heck, I don't know. Does he does he step up? I don't know. And he's in a contract year, so it would really, I mean, if they could win a round and Kelly Oubre is averaging like 15 points off the bench, that'd be a big deal for him. Tsunami poppy. <laughs> Tsunami poppy. All right, man. It's, it's a great, it's, I cannot wait. I just, just cannot wait for the play-in and for the playoffs. This is this it feels like this is the most wide open the West has been in a long time. And it's next week. We barely have to wait. <sighs> Just a few days. Yes. Okay, but Andrew, it is now time to celebrate some birthdays. Blow out the candles, get your cake, and eat it too. It's the birthday bash. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Come on. You've been Ooh. on a pretty good streak overall. Your current record is 25 and 20. Yeah. We'll see how you do this week, though. I got a, a couple names, guys who have had birthdays this week. I'm going to give you two names. You're going to tell me which guy is younger. The first one, Timothy Luawu Cabarro, Tyish Jones. Oh. <laughs> Andrew has forfeited. Um. <laughs> I'll say I'll say TLC's older. That is correct. Yes. Next one. Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler. Oh my. Two vets. Um Garrett Temple's older? I don't know. That is also correct, Andrew. Two in a Ooh. row. The next one, another another couple of vets. Kemba Walker, Nemanja Bialica. Oh, weird. That's a really weird one. Oh. Who was the first one again? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really weird one. Who'd you say? Kemba Walker, Nemanja Bialica. Uh, Kemba's older. That is incorrect. Kemba turning 31 no. this week. Bielitsa turning 33. I don't have a feel for how old Bielitsa is at all. I just realized that I put another name twice. So we're, you're going to hear this name twice. Mo Harkless, <laughs> okay. Timothy Luawu Cabarro. 
Oh my, this is really testing my TLC knowledge. <laughs> I don't even remember how old you said he was. I actually didn't reveal it, so that's good. Okay, I was going to say I don't remember. Um, I'll say TLC is older. That is incorrect, Andrew. Mo Harkless Ouch. turning 28 this week. TLC turning 26. 26. Gary Temple, 35. Young. Wilson Chandler, 34. Tyus Jones, 25. Last question. Drafted in the 2018 draft, Mo Bamba had his birthday this week. He is okay. younger than how many 2020 first-round draft picks? Mo Bamba oh. having his birthday this week. Younger than how Seven. Many? Seven. Seven. Wow, that's crazy, Andrew. Crazy talk. He just turned 23. He's younger than three. Malachi Flynn, Peyton Pritchard, Obi Toppin. So happy okay. birthday to Mo Bamba. Finally breaking out a little bit, though I, I think he's hurt again. <laughs> Finally putting up some numbers on a team that doesn't matter. Shouts, shout out to Mo Bamba. Happy birthday. Also, happy, happy birthday to my wife as well. And to you, to Andrew. Today. When this and is released, it will be your birthday. This is true. Uh, what a great, what a great birthday! I wish I could have gotten them all right. <laughs> I don't even know how many I got right or wrong. Ah, uh, you were two and three again. Okay, all right, that's that's decent. Next, we are going to go to Zach Harper, the Heat guy here at the Athletic, to discuss the red hot Miami Heat. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Andrew, it is time for our favorite segment of the week, the Wheel of Fandom, where each week we spin a digital wheel. It lands on a team. We follow that team for the next week. Last week, it landed on the Miami Heat, who are 39 and 31, 20th in offense, 8th in defense, 17th in net rating. What happened last week? Well, they went 3-0 with two wins against Boston and a really impressive win on Thursday night against Philly. The Heat have now won seven of their last eight, have gone from a possible play-in appearance two weeks ago to the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. So, if the Wheel of Fandom chose the Miami Heat, who is our guest today, Andrew? Now, this isn't somebody that covers the Heat necessarily, but this is definitely the Heat guy in the NBA. It's Zach Harper. Zach, what's up? What's up, guys? I Yeah, I'm not a Heat fan, but I feel like covering the NBA and believing in the Heat the way I have the last couple of years has turned me into like the 
the heat fan of the athletic where um i know i annoy the hell out of like jay king and yeah. uh and dave defore and trevon edwards because every time like every time the heat win three in a row i'm like here we go guys we're back like it's you know it's the bubble wasn't a fluke and so yeah i'm i'm i love this heat team even though i'm not really a, a fan of the heat like i love this heat team i love the culture i love jimmy butler i love bam out of bio i'm about all these guys See, this is your time now because, oh, like, God. last season, 538 gave them no chance to even get to the finals. I think it was like a 2% chance to get to the finals. Tell everybody, man. L- less than one to win the championship. Right now, they're at 4% at getting to the finals by 538 <laughs> and 2% to win the whole thing. Just tell us why they're wrong again, Zach. Everyone, it's because there's no, like, obvious, like, oh, yeah, this is what a star looks like. The, you know, aspect to the to the heat because like Jimmy Butler is obviously very good, yeah, and Bam Adebayo is very good, but like Bam's not dropping thirty. Bam's had one thirty point game this year when he went for forty one, right? Um, Jimmy is a guy who can dominate a game without scoring, you know, ten, twenty, thirty points, um, and so it's not obvious in that way. And then I just think that I think there's part of it where a lot of people are just like, well, Eric Spolstra's won championships because he had LeBron and Wade, which maybe that's fair, but he's also one of the best coaches in the league. They approach things a lot differently than a lot of a lot of organizations do just in terms of conditioning and attention to detail and execution. And so it's once again like this team has gotten healthy at the right time. Ariza had you know Embiid roll into his ankle, so we'll see how that yeah. that affects them. And he was and not happy about that either. He was not happy about <laughs> it. There was not a lot of happy feelings in that game Thursday night, um, and so obviously we'll we'll see what happens there. And then and then Vic Oladipo uh, is out for the season uh, with another surgery, but I don't know how much at, once once he got injured again. Um, I don't know how much they were they were counting on him after trading for him. So you know they're not fully healthy, but I think they're healthy enough now that Goran's back. That look, this team just plays basketball the way you would want a championship level team to play basketball and even though it's it's not obvious to a lot of people um i'll tell like this is every, you know everyone called them a bubble fluke and and all this stuff and oh they weren't really better than milwaukee and all this stuff i last year at the trade deadline before the pandemic hits and everything the trade deadline it's i think it's two days before and we get word they're trading for andre guadala and at the time it looked like they were going to trade for danilo gallinari as well and so when so we were in we i think it was we were the lakers or clippers game but well we we're in the staples center media room and amin al hassan and i are sitting there and we're like yo this is like we have to book finals accommodations now in yeah. south beach and like yeah. this is february of of last year <laughs> and so we did it we we figured out when those dates would be whether they were the high seat or the low seat we booked our hotels in south beach uh for those uh, you know for what those dates would be like we were ready to go and then obviously the Gallo trade aspect of it fell apart, but we were ready to go and had to set reminders for ourselves like, hey, we've got to cancel these reservations by this date if yeah. it doesn't happen. But yeah, man, we were we were about it from this, that whole season. Like that, that was something where we believed in that team. That's actually a great lead into our next question, because last season, some very smart people were saying early in that season, like kind of around February, March, that the heat were going to be a problem for the Bucks, And it turned out to absolutely be true in the playoffs. So now looking at this year's Eastern Conference, of those top three teams in the East who Miami would have to play at some point, do you think the Bucks are still the Heat's best matchup, or is Philly now the more favorable matchup for Miami? I think, man, that's tough. I, I think that Philly 
Philly's probably scarier just because what if Embiid gets Bam in foul trouble, mm-hmm. right? Like that aspect of it is they don't like they can still play great basketball without Bam, but Bam is Bam is their most important player. Like I think he's he's a little underappreciated. I I think he's as good defensively as anybody in the NBA. I think that offensively he's he's a guy that does kind of everything for them except shoot threes. Um, like he's he's a guy bringing the ball up the court, initiating a lot with dribble handoffs and just pushing the pushing the tempo at times. And so I do think if you lose him due to foul trouble in a series against Philly, you're probably toast uh, because they don't have that great depth. But I also look at that as like they can take Ben Simmons out of a game. They can kind of funnel things to Tobias Harris and, and Tobias is really good, but they can live with that. They defend the three pointer well. They're good on the perimeter. They may get hurt on the boards a little bit against a team like Philly, but I do like the matchup in theory, but I still think like, look, until I see Milwaukee actually make adjustments in the playoffs until I see them actually, you know, think the game through instead of just being stubborn and maybe they've created all those things this year. They've changed, uh, you know, a lot of aspects of the way they play. They changed the personnel. Drew Holiday is a massive, massive upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. So I think they did a lot of the, a lot of good things there, but, um, they're one of those teams where I'm just like, I got to see it in the playoffs before I fully buy in. So I'll still say Miami against Milwaukee against Milwaukee is probably the best one just because I know that they have that mental edge. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Bam. Uh, Sam Vecini had him ranked fourth overall amongst the young players over yeah. Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, John Morant. Uh, as someone who watches him a lot, are you that high on him as well? And then what do you think of his offensive ceiling after seeing what he's done this season? At the risk of pissing off the good people of Utah, like I think he's as good defensively as Rudy Gobert. Like, I really do. Like, he's, he's more versatile. Yeah. But it's crazy to me that Bam doesn't get more talk about being the best defensive player in the NBA. Hmm. He really is that good. Um, they The fact that they're still eighth defensively this season – uh, despite all the games missed with Jimmy Butler and a lot of these guys, like it's it's really impressive, and you see it in these night to night games. Like he gets switched out on Jason Tatum, he stays with him, mm-hmm. right? Like he battles Joel Embiid inside. He is on the perimeter trying to affect the stretch bigs, or he's guarding point guards or whatever. Like he can literally do everything. Everything we talk about Ben Simmons defensively and the versatility he has, like Bam does it and might be better at it. Like I I really think he's that good. It's just, ah, what's this six nine guy doing out here, right? Like he's a little undersized, and and the Heat are kind of understated in general, unless Jimmy Butler is like, you know, talking or or Giannis Haslam is trying to get ejected immediately in a game, like whatever that is. Like they're pretty understated, and so like I just think that it's not a knock on Rudy or Ben or Draymond or anything. Like I just think it's Bam's that good, and so his ability to be everywhere on the court and be everything they need him to be. It's the reason last season early on, Jimmy was like, that's the best player on this team. Don't call me the star of this team. Like that's the best player. Some of that's Jimmy being Jimmy and being a good teammate. But some of that is also like Bam's that good. Yeah. Hmm. Um, probably our most important question for you. Kobe 60 against the jazz, Bill Russell game seven, 1969 finals, Dwayne Wade, 25, 11 and 10 triple double. If last night was his last appearance on an NBA court, where would you rank Udonis Haslam's farewell game all time? What my favorite aspect of that is is that you see in that replay where he gets thrown thrown down by Dwight, and before he gets up, he looks at the ground, just like, and it just looked like, well, 
I guess I got to go kick this guy's ass. <laughs> like it was one of the, it wasn't like, oh no, I'm going to get a fight or no. It was just like, well, that's the next chain of events, right? Like that's what happens. Only you never see it in the NBA with a guy who has like full on gray in his beard and in his hair. Like it so it just looked like it looked, it just looked so funny, but man, what a way to go out. If that's the last action he had, it was, it was awesome. like putting his finger in Dwight Howard's face. Like nobody likes Dwight Howard at this yeah. point, right? Like you root for him if he's on your team because you want the team to do well, but no one likes Dwight at this point. And so the fact that it was due to that, he wasn't trying to punk some small guy or anything like that. No, he was like, okay, Dwight, you want to, you want to play these games? We're going to play them. And, and you can tell like Dwight was mouthing, back at him but Dwight was also like kind of leaning away a little bit Dwight knew he didn't want that like nobody wants that smoke with you Donis and so no UD going out that way it is as UD as Kobe going out with 60 points on 50 shots was Kobe yes, yes. hey Udonis I, made some shots too like he, he had yeah but points. look 100% on the season you know his points for 36 minutes through the roof like four four points in three minutes is he the most productive player of the season it's hard to say <laughs> do you it's, think it's a uh, big week for he and Andy Verajao oh my god just huge <laughs> weeks for those two do you think similar to the Thunder retiring Nick Collison's jersey do you think Haslam will get his jersey retired in Miami oh 100 percent okay I, yeah. like I think he'll get he'll get his jersey retired he may get a street named after it like it may be you know Dwayne Wade way intersecting with Udonis Haslam Avenue or something like that right like he they are going to honor him in every single way possible mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah this summer for the heat is going to be really interesting they only have about 78 million in guaranteed money they have team yeah. options on Dragic and Iguodala Duncan Robinson's a restricted free agent they have the Victor Oladipo stuff going on do you think Kyle Lowry is the most likely free agent acquisition by the Heat? Uh, or is there any other big fish they could potentially get? I mean, I think depending on how the surgery goes, like they'll re-sign Vic, but I think it'll be on a very small deal, like hmm. veterans minimum or a little above that just to kind of sweeten the pot. Because uh, I do think they see him in their long-term plan. Well, long-term, I mean like four seasons, right? Like the next four years. Like yeah. I do think they see him as a part of that if they can get him healthy. And I think that he wants to be in Miami. So I think that I think that will be a natural signing for them, but it's very low stakes and low low money on that like Goron will be back like they're going to bring Goron back they love him he's a huge part of what makes them go um, but I think they're still going to create cap flexibility and and roster flexibility moving forward because they they're like Pat Riley wants those whales right like he is a whale hunter and he wants to go get those guys and the next one is Bradley Beal like that everyone's targeting him like I know Wizards fans don't want to hear it like no he signed an extension no he look at them they're doing well he likes the team he does but everyone around the league is waiting for that shoe to drop of Bradley Beal becomes available. And I know the Heat have been eyeing that. Ever since Giannis signed that Supermax, the Heat have been eyeing that situation of like, as soon as he's available, how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. And you can look at it. They don't have a ton of trade assets in terms of, of draft picks because they still owe, owe picks off that Goran Dragic deal, actually. They still owe picks, but they didn't really have anything to go get Jimmy Butler, and they did it. Right. So sometimes you can have a guy force his way to an organization. They would hope to be that organization for Beal. Um, Maybe, you know, if if Tyler Hero cannot be the Tyler Hero of this year and be the Tyler Hero of last bubble, that helps sweeten the pot a little bit. But they, you know, they're going to try to maintain flexibility, maintain competitiveness, and and kind of toe that line that Daryl Morey did for forever, right? Of we're never Mm going to be bad. We're always going to be competitive. We're always going to be looking to acquire the next guy. What, what did you think of the Oladipo press release where it says he has decided to undergo season surgery? It was weird, right? Like that's yes. not like, hey, he's having season. Like he's decided <laughs> like that was a 
that was a weird way of of wording it. I don't remember ever seeing an injury surgery news or press release like that. And so, yeah, I don't know what that was. I don't know if that's like, we know he hasn't really been here, so this is his decision, right? Like, not our team dogs. That's his decision. And, you know, I feel bad for him just because, like, that's a dude that was rising and rising and rising. He was all NBA. He was, you know, all defense. Like, he was an all-star. Like, he was going to be that level of player for a few years. And now, like, he's a veteran minimum guy. Like, he'll he'll probably never get another big payday. And he's made a bunch of money, so no one's going to cry for him. But I do feel bad that, like, we're at a point where he's deciding to have the surgery. He's deciding to do this instead he of like, played, good but player. he could have played, but he decided to do he it. Decided, <laughs> look, we, we were going to have him trot out there and limp around the court, but he decided that this debilitating injury needed to be addressed with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, what does Duncan Robinson get this summer? <sighs> I mean, the, the interesting thing is like, we still have some teams with some massive cap space or flexibility, right? And, yeah. and like that free agency class really dried up and so where there are guys that make differences with the free agency class is restricted free agency and so i think we may be back to teams just throwing massive massive offer sheets at these guys now i don't know if he'll be the first one but like yo joe joe harris got 75 million last year like i I mean isn't isn't that yeah that's the line right davis berton's got what 17 18 a year for Mm -hmm. for five years like duncan robinson's as good a shooter as those guys Right, like mm-hmm. he competes in the team defense concept like well enough to where Eric Spolster trusts him out there, and that that's not just someone where like, well, we need shooting, we'll throw him out there. Like, no, you have to play defense on some level to to be able to play for the Heat, and so yeah, like I expect him to get paid like a, a huge offer sheet that they're forced to match, and they do, and then they try to figure it out later if that turns him into like a trade piece. Right, mm-hmm. I don't know that he's always going to be a Heat or even be a Heat guy after like the next two years, but they're going to have to match a huge offer sheet to him. Hmm. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Zach, thank you so much for asking our questions. It is now time for our game show, Andrew versus The Beat. Now, this is a trivia show where each week we pit Andrew against a beat writer, or in this case, heat guy, Zach Harper. Heat lifer. Heat lifer. 
So how this works, there are eight trivia questions. Zach, you're going to give me a number between one and eight that's going to correspond to a trivia question. It may be a really easy one or it may be a really Ooh. hard one. We don't okay. know. If you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. We'll go back and forth choosing numbers until all the questions have been asked and answered. So, Zach, start me off with a number between one and eight. Ooh, I mean, I love three, so I'll go with three. All right. Dwayne Wade has 885 career blocks, the most ever for an NBA player 6'4 or shorter. Which current NBA player is in the top five? for most career blocks by a player 6'4 or shorter. Is Avery Bradley still a current player? I'll go Avery Bradley. I think he's in there. Avery Bradley. That is incorrect. What? Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Who, current player, top five most career blocks, 6'4 or shorter? Westbrook? I don't know. Russell Westbrook? That's a pretty good guess. Also incorrect. Correct yeah. answer was Houston Rocket John Wall. Oh, oh. John and actually, Wall. Uh, Drew Holiday is sixth. Oh, Drew. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so no points on the first question. Andrew, it is your turn. Give me a number between one and eight. Let's go one. Number one from 1996 to 2014, the Heat made the playoffs in 17 of the 19 seasons. In the three seasons where they failed to make the playoffs. The Heat had a top 10 pick in the draft. Name all three lottery picks that were selected by the Heat in those years. Pretty simple, Ooh, straightforward. Dwayne Wade. Michael okay. Beasley. Okay, that's two names. So much pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway, that is incorrect. Zach, you have a chance <clears throat> to steal for one point. Who were they? So just their their top 10 picks? Top 10 picks from. in those years, 1996-2014. Oh! Oh! Um, Tough Juice, Kron Butler. He was the 10th pick, right? Dang it. That is correct. Now, you do have to give me the other two names, just to be fair to Andrew. Oh, Michael Beasley and Dwayne Wade. That is correct. So Zach gets one point. Once, He's on the board. I once bought a framed Yale poster from Michael, Michael Beasley's estate sale Excuse um, me. and he's he looking at it right now it, he was leaving minneapolis uh he was going to phoenix and so he had an estate sale a two-day estate sale i went to day two bought a framed michael b or no a framed yale poster from michael beasley's estate i have no idea why he had it but the people <laughs> yeah, were wow the people running the estate sale were very excited that i was buying it and my <laughs> biggest regret uh my friend graden uh, was with me, and he bought a wooden duck that had a secret compartment that we named Michael Beakley. And then uh, there were two bottles of blue raspberry margarita mix for $2 each oh. that I decided not to buy, and I've regretted it ever since. What? Were there any, like, really high-dollar items in these? Yeah, like, there were, like, like these massive, like, massively priced, like, um, like bags and purses and jewelry and stuff. Like there was a lot of stuff in there that was way beyond what I was willing to spend. But I bought this Yale, this framed Yale poster for uh, for fifteen dollars. An amazing relic that you now have <laughs> yeah. forever. There are also these bizarre red wine stains on the carpet upstairs. That it, when I fir at first look, I was like, "Is that blood?" No, it's clearly <laughs> been like some kind of red wine or alcohol that's been spilled all over the upstairs. <laughs> Okay, Zach, so questions one and three have been taken. Ooh. Where would you like to go next? Uh, 
I'll go in in honor of Heatman uh, Antoine Walker. We take threes because there are no fours. I'll go with number four. Number four. Udonis Haslam has now officially played in his 18th season with the Miami mm. Heat. There have only been five other players in NBA history who were with one franchise for 18 or more seasons. We're going to name all five. Now, how this is going to work, Zach, you're going to give me a name. Then we're going to go to Andrew. He's going to give me a name. We'll go back and forth until both of you either get all of them, which I think is possible on this one, or if one mm-hmm. of you falters, Zach could get two points, Andrew could get one point. So, Zach, give me a name, someone who was with their team for at least 18 seasons. I'll go with the easy one uh, of Kobe Bryant. That is correct. Over to Andrew. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki. That is also correct. Back to Zach. Tim Duncan. That is correct. Three of the five already answered. Andrew, only two left. I know Nick Collison didn't play for them for that long. I'll say Nick Collison. I don't think that's right, though. Unfortunately, is not correct. Zach, do you have the other two names? Now, they, they could only have played for those two teams. Right, like uh, they, like like they didn't like play for a team for a certain amount of time and then move on to correct. another team. Yeah, only okay. played with one team. So I believe the other two are it would be John Stockton, correct, and Reggie Miller. Also correct, a clean yeah. sweep, and that's three points for Zach. Now Andrew, <sighs> you're down three zip, but. You mm-hmm. can get this next mm-hmm. question. Be right back in it. Three to two. Get right, right back, back in, in it. it. Yeah. So That's which what I always tell myself. Which question would you like? Uh, seven. Number seven. Okay, this is my favorite question that I've ever oh, written is, for uh-oh. Andrew versus the this Beast. Is, this is not good. The Miami Heat mascot, Bernie, has been <laughs> sued three separate times for various <laughs> incidents. Which of the following lawsuits is not real? Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm going to give you four lawsuits. You're going to tell me which one did not happen with Bernie. Okay. 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 Was it when Bernie was sued for aggressively dragging a woman onto the court during the game, a woman who happened to be the wife of a Supreme Court judge in Puerto Rico? Was what? It, was, <laughs> so much detail, I can't tell if it's fake or real. I, I know. know. <laughs> was it when Bernie was sued for attending an event at an elementary school and making a teacher with a recent back surgery do the splits, causing her to tear her hip? <laughs> was it when Bernie was sued for bumping into an American Airlines Arena security guard during a game, causing them to fall and injure their leg? Or... Was it when Bernie was sued for hugging a man too hard at the grand opening of a paint store, causing the man to have a herniated disc? (laughs) Which of those is not real, Andrew? I'll go security guard, not real. That is incorrect, Andrew. He did do that. It seemed like the most probable one, which which is why I chose it. Because the others are just so outrageous. I I guess I wanted them to be true. How do you how do you make somebody do the splits? That's <laughs> that's where my hang up is. So I'm gonna go with that one because I don't know how you just make somebody do the splits. Well, unfortunately, Zach, somehow Bernie did do that. He did wow, make a teacher the do one? the splits. The one that was incorrect actually did happen to a mascot, but it was not Bernie. The Philly fanatic 
hugged a man too hard at the grand opening of a paint store and gave him a herniated disc. Now, to be fair, if you would ask me what's the mascot that did do that if it's not Barty, I would have picked the fanatic. Well, I, I fell into a rabbit hole of mascots who had been sued last night, and it is a very long list. That's all I would do. That's all wow. I would look up once I, I that's what I'm gonna do after this. Just start We've looking been up doing these mascots this whole podcast. Lawsuits. We should yeah. do the whole pod. <laughs> All right, Zach, it is back to you. You're up 3-0. Commandingly. I mean, Heat Lifer, I guess, well, I don't know if he's still a Heat Lifer. He's left a lot. But Dwayne Wade was the fifth pick, so I'll go number five. All right, number five. Duncan Robinson is one of only three players in NBA history to take at least 85% of his shots from three while playing at least 20 minutes per game. Duncan has accomplished this feat twice in his career. Name the two other players who have accomplished this feat. So at least... 85%? 85%. So these are like three-point specialists who are also getting decent minutes per game, 20 minutes per game. Wow. Um, it's only happened two other times. Okay, I'm going to say Davis Berton's got to be one of them because that dude only shoots from like 35 feet. Okay, I will not reveal whether that is right or not. You have to give me both names just in case. Oh, man, 85% is too high, but I just I know he's up there. In terms of percentage of threes taken. Mm -hmm. So I'll say my guy Mirza Toledovic. Mirza Toledovic. Whoa, what a great callback. I love I love Toledovic. Uh, but I think he was only like 70%. So I don't I just wanted to say Mirza Toledovic. That was a great guess. Uh, it is unfortunately incorrect. So Andrew, you have a chance to steal. You can get back in mm. this. 20 minutes per game, at least 85% of their shots from three. Uh Jason Capono. Jason Capono. <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> what a pull. I'll go Bertans. Bertans just takes a crap ton of threes. So the good news is that you both got one correct. Davis Bertans is one of the answers. Would you believe if I told you the other answer was a Miami Heat player? James Jones? Oh, James Jones, yeah. Not James Jones. What? You might say to yourself, uh, what about Wayne Ellington? Not Wayne Ellington. Mike Miller? Shane Battier. Oh, wow. Mr. <laughs> Analytics. Kind of wow. surprising name. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Damn. I would have never gotten that. Okay, Andrew, here we go. The comeback starts now. <laughs> two. <laughs> Number two. Which two players on the current Heat roster are in the top ten all time for points scored in Heat franchise history? Simple question. They're currently on the roster, and they're also in the top ten in franchise history for points scored. Shoot. Oh, I think I know this. Oh, I, I, well, yeah, I know this. I know this. Well, Andrew, some bad news for you. Zach knows this. <laughs> so if you get it wrong, sounds like he'll be getting a point. Oh so really need to come through here. I'll say Goran Dragic. That's it. I guess I'll go Udonis Haslam since he's been there for forever, but that just doesn't feel right. Oh, okay. Andrew, that is absolutely correct. Two Damn points it. for Andrew. Wow. Oh. Great okay. pulls. You thought through that, and you got there. Now, Zach, were those the two names you were going to say? Those were the two names, yeah. I guess you could lie to UD me. UD was the one I knew, and then I, I put together. I was like, oh, Goran's been there since, like, 2015. He's got to be the other. Okay, so we have two questions left, and it is a game now. Zach, you're only up by it one. It is a game now. Six or eight? LeBron, LeBron James was number six. We'll go with LeBron, number six. In an interview with the Players' Tribune, Zach's – Zach. Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> said that his favorite memory as a member of the Heat was fighting this Miami Heat role player naked in the shower 
a fight that Udonis Haslam refused to break up. Who did Shaq fight naked in the shower? James Posey. James Posey. That is incorrect. Andrew, <sighs> you have a chance to steal. Any guesses? Fought Shaq naked. Darrell Wright. Andrew, that is absolutely correct. What? Is it Darrell Wright? <laughs> I was trying to think of who was there. Wow. And you know what this means. It means we I go into the final this. question. Tied. Three to three. Andrew gets first dibs. If Andrew gets this Woo! correct... He could win his first week ever. As a reminder, 0, 10, and 1. Okay, Andrew, the final question. There have been three players in the last 50 years to play in at least six consecutive NBA finals. Who are they? You have to give me all three names. Three players in the last 50 years who have played in at least six consecutive NBA finals. LeBron. Um, he said LeBron very disgustedly. LeBron. I'm disgusted with myself, okay? That's who I'm disgusted with. Um, dude, I don't know. Pass. I don't know. Andrew, are you giving Zach? up? You got so yes, close. Yes, I guess. All right, Andrew has given up. Now, this doesn't mean that Zach's necessarily going to win, because if Zach gets this wrong, it will be Andrew's second tie. So, Zach, you still have to give me all three names. LeBron James. That is correct. James Jones. That is correct. And current Heatman, Andre Iguodala. That is correct. And Zach has won the week four to three. Congratulations to the Heat lifer, Zach Harper. Woo! This is painful. All right, Zach. uh, Now I wish you never came on the show. So (laughs) I get that a lot. I get that that on almost every podcast I do. That was too close. That hurts. Uh, Make sure you go read Zach's power rankings. They're they're so good. They're always so entertaining. Make sure you you listen to Zach on the basketball buds and on point of contention every week. Uh, Thank you so much, Zach. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Go Heat. Huge thanks to Zach Harper for joining the show. There will be no Wheel of Fandom this week, Alex, because the playoffs will start a week from today. Yes. Will be the playoffs. So next week, we will have a playoff preview show. We'll have a special guest. We'll have special segments, but no Wheel of Fandom. So enjoy the playing games. Enjoy all of the drama around the NBA right now because it's feels like it's at its peak so go watch the games we will talk to you guys again next saturday here on the saturday slam and jam